I greet you in Jesus' name. Uh, time is quite gone, actually. I had 12 hours I needed from 12. <laughs> but uh, being poor, because you have gone all that way. So, so don't complain if I go over the time. Blame him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, today's message that uh, I was given is navigating our life journey with a focus on heaven, our eternal home. The idea of this message was dropped into my mind one Tuesday evening, uh, either late last year or early this year. Tom was talking uh, and praying or giving a testimony and she thought it talked about heaven. Then the title appeared in my mind, Heaven, My Eternal Home. However, I've not been able to speak about it and even now I wanted to change the topic to something else. I will try my best to navigate through this idea of heaven, our eternal home. I welcome you to travel with me and reflect on the profound journey of our lives, a journey with a destination far greater than any place on this earth, our eternal home in heaven. It turned out when the, this message came to me, it's a bit long, I'll try to summarize as much as possible. But before we start, I would like us to remind ourselves of this place called heaven with a song when we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. Can we start again? Can I start?
I think we all look forward to going to heaven at some times. So what is heaven? I'm just going to talk about heaven according to the scriptures. For believers in Jesus Christ, heaven is said to be a beautiful place, a place of light, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of abundant and conditional love, a place, a place of reunion, a place to be, a home at last. Let's see what the Bible says. Revelation 21.4, uh, the verse reveals the nature of heaven. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This verse describes heaven realm as a place of free, uh, uh, free from sorrow, pain, and death. It will be a place of restoration and eternal joy. Revelation 22.3.4 reviews heaven as a place of eternal fellowship with God. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. The verse reveals the relationship that will exist between God and the dwellers of heaven. Also highlights the removal of any curse or separation. Corinthians 2.9 reviews the beauty of heaven. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Paul's words express the great beauty and splendor awaiting believers in heaven. And Philippians 3.20 reveals our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This scripture reminds believers that their ultimate allegiance is to heaven, and their true identity is as citizens of this eternal kingdom. We may feel good about being citizens of the countries we call home, and though they call them permanent residences, the truth of the matter is they are temporary residences. They will one day expire to enable us to acquire the permanent one in heaven. Way to heaven. I am the way and the truth and the life, say Jesus in John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declared that he is the exclusive way to heaven, emphasizing the importance of faith in him. He encourages us to follow his teaching and to understand the way. So now we go to our pilgrimage. Although we really talk of heaven being a beautiful place, but we know we don't just appear there. There is a journey in between. So we are going to explore that journey. Our journey began when we were born in this world. For some people, their journey is without difficulties, but for some, it is full of many challenges. For all of us, we entered into this world. When we entered this world, we also entered into a system that we did not understand. Neither did we have control over the world system, the egoistic system. This system started to operate contrary to our true identity within us. We were subjected to two powers, good and evil. Power of good within us and power to do good, to do evil from the egoistic system. In this egoistic world or worldly system, you find all manner of self-ambitions, 
self evil competition, greediness, jealousy, evil, envy, hatred, rejection of other people, love of materialism, wars, and many more. All the evil things you think about, they all come from that system. We got lost in this world. However, by the grace of God, Jesus found us lost in this world system and called our names out of this deep darkness to his marvelous light. It is after accepting Jesus that we started to change our focus. However, even after accepting and believing in Jesus, this world system remains still deeply rooted in our life to some extent, such that our spiritual journey is so much hindered, but with prayer, waiting on God, gratitude, praise, and reading the scriptures, and maybe coming to church like now, slowly the love of the world starts to lose its grip on us. Our journey as believers. Our spiritual journey begins with a promise from our Savior Jesus Christ, and after us accepting him as Lord and Savior, he has gone ahead to prepare a place for us, uh, a place in the eternal glory of the Father's house. You'll find that in uh, scripture in John 14, 2 to 3. Jesus assures, uh, Jesus assures us of a heavenly home prepared by him. Our journey is not aimless. It is a pilgrim, pilgrimage toward the dwelling place that our Savior is preparing for us. This promise should, should instill hope and assurance in our hearts as we face the challenges of life, the difficulties and challenges of our journey. As Jesus forewarned us, when he said, in this world you shall have tribulations, it is true that many people have to go through trials and pain during this journey. The trials and challenges may manifest in various forms, such as chronic illness, death in the family, loss of income, war, destruction of property, imprisonment, divorce, depression, etc. These challenges may come to anyone, whether you are a believer in Christ or not. However, I will not try to, I will only try to see what we can do as believers in Christ. There are comforting words in Psalms 84, verse 5 to 7. I'm just going to highlight those verses. Uh, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers its it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So in verse 5, you see, the psalmist begins by proclaiming the blessedness of those whose strength is derived from God. It emphasizes a reliance on divine power rather than human capability. Verse, also verse 5 says, the terms pilgrim suggests a spiritual journey or a quest for God. It signifies a deliberate and purposeful movement towards a sacred destination, reflecting a deep commitment to one's faith. Also verse 6 says, the mention of the Valley of Baca, often interpreted as the Valley of Weeping, symbolizes the challenges and hardship encountered on life's journey. Despite difficulties, the pilgrims transform it into a place of refreshment, turning tears into springs. A number of us in this church are now very familiar with what it means 
to pass through the valley of Baca, a valley of weeping and mourning, a valley of sorrow and grief, a valley of sense of loss, a, a valley of many trials. In verse 6 also, the seasonal rains brings abundance to the valley, filling it with pools. This conveys the idea that God's blessing can transform even desolate places into sources of life and sustenance. God can heal the broken-hearted people and use them again, and he can pick them up, he can pick up their broken pieces and bind them together. Uh, uh, in verse 7, the pilgrims progress from strength to strength, indicating a continuous growth and resilience through their journey. This progression is sustained by their unwavering faith and reliance on God's strength. The, the, in the last verses, the ultimate goal of the pilgrim is to appear before God in Zion, the holy city. This signifies a spiritual arrival, a net of the journey, where the faithful stand in the presence of God, heaven, our eternal home. However, this journey also, as we travel, as we all know, there are warnings on the way. Uh, Jesus and the Bible has also talked about these warnings, so I'm going to highlight them with the remaining time I have. Uh, the, one, the first one I'm going to talk about is where it's in 1 John 2:15 to 17. Love not the world. You, we all know about that verse. John here speaks and says, do not love the world or the things in the world. As a traveler, as a pilgrim, uh, this is not part of what we have to, because we know we are, we are going to some place. We are travelers anyway. Uh, here, we are instructed not to have an excessive or improper attachment to other things. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is a contrast between love for the world and the love of God, the Father. Loving the world in a way that is contrary to God, to God values indicates a lack of the Father's love in the person. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Three categories of worldly influences are identified here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. The, the scripture also talks of the temporal nature of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. The world and its desires are temporary, and you eventually fade away. That's why you should not get attached to it. The scripture also talks of eternal perspective. But he who does the will of God abides forever. In contrast to the temporary nature of the world, those who align themselves with God's will have an eternal existence. In summary, this verse emphasizes the need for believers to prioritize their love for God over worldly pursuits, describing the detrimental nature of worldly influences and highlighting the eternal value of doing God's will. Believers in Jesus Christ are simply in the world, physically present, but not of the world, not part of his values, not part of his system. You can read that in John 17, 14 to 15. We must also understand that being in the world, but not of it, is necessary if we are to be light to those who are, those who are in difficult uh, spiritual darkness. We are to live in such a way that those outside the faith see our good deeds and glorify God. Matthew, you can get that from Matthew 5, 7, verse 7 and 16. 
the road map, which Jesus gave us some of it. When driving or even walking, we get warning signs along the path. We always try our best to follow the signs on the road, failure to which our survival is not guaranteed, especially if you're driving. Similarly, as believers, Jesus Christ has given us clear instructions on how to navigate our path to heaven, our eternal home. He gave us parables and teachings to help us know what we need to do during our time on earth and what we should not do. Some instructions he, he has reviewed in Matthew 6, 33, Matthew 25, 31 to 40, Luke 19, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and John 6, to 20, 26 to 29. Uh, there's a lot he has given. If you read the whole of the gospel, has got a lot of it. And uh, you just need to understand it. Most of the time we read the gospel, especially myself, I realize, yes, did I really actually understand those instructions? Because they are all they are laid down for us. But we need to not just read, we need to understand. Uh, in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus, in the, the verse that we all know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is the first one I want to, to start with. That is one of the instructions he gave us. He told us not to seek. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The verse is part of Jesus' sermon on the mountain specifically within the context of teaching about worry and anxiety over material concerns. The previous verse, 32, people were asking various questions and he was answering them. It encourages believers to trust in God's provision while maintaining a focus on spiritual priorities. It provides comfort and confidence that God is attentive to the needs of those who prioritize their relationship with him. It calls to a life centered on God, praising him first in all aspects and trusting in his provision for both spiritual and material needs. Uh, in love, we've been called to have love and compassion and conditional love. This is reviewed in uh, 20, Matthew 25, that one to 40, and also somewhere in Micah. Uh, I'll just go through. Verse that one to that three, Jesus describes a future in heaven, this is a story of, yeah, the future in, in uh, heaven, uh, a future in bed, the Son of Man coming in his glory. All the angels will accompany him. He will sit on the throne of his glory. All nations will be gathered before him. <clears throat> and he will separate them as shepherds separate sheep from goats. For those ones who are in Bible study, you can remember this verse, this uh, reading. And verse 16, the king, the son of man, will say to those on his right sheep, Come, you blessed of the father, my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The reason, they fed him when he was hungry, gave him drink when he was thirsty, welcomed him when he was a stranger, clothed him when naked, and visited him when sick, and came to him when he was in prison. The righteous were puzzled. They asked, when they did these things to him, as they don't recall doing them directly to the king. The king's response was, Assuredly, I say, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. The summary of the passages, uh, the passage depicts a scenes of final judgment. The Son of Man, Jesus, will separate people in two groups, the righteous and the unrighteous. The basis for this separation is the way individuals treated others, particularly those in need. 
acts of kindness and compassion, such as feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming strangers, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and attending to those in prison, are seen as expression of righteousness. The passage underscores the importance of love, compassion, and service to others as a reflection of one's relationship with God and criteria for judgment. In Micah 6.18, the Bible says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So these are one of the things that as travelers in this life, we are expected to do. And um, there's another one he said, uh, because sometimes when we're in this world, we imagine that we just want to just go to heaven. But this verse also reveals that we are supposed to do business until he comes. Uh, that is Luke 19, 13. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered them 10 miners, and said to them, do business till I come. So the, this verse is part of the parable of the miners, or a story told by Jesus to illustrate spiritual truth using a familiar economical setting. The nobleman calls ten of his servants. The nobleman gives each of them ten servants, ten miners. A miner was um, a unit of currency in those ancient days. The nobleman instructs the servants with a specific task. He calls them to do business, to engage in trade using the miners. The purpose of the task force, the servants are to engage in productive activities with the resources given to them. The noblemen expect them to use the miners wisely and increase their value through business transaction. The noblemen sets up a time frame by saying, till I come. This indicates that the servants are to continue their business activities until the noblemen returns. So in summary, this verse emphasizes the responsibility of the servant to be diligent and faithful stewards of the resources entrusted to them by the noblemen, representing Christian responsibility to use their God-given gifts and resources wisely until the return of Jesus. Each and every one of us have been given some talents. May we use them wisely and do business until Jesus returns or calls us home. Yeah, so it's, uh, if, although we are waiting to go home, we've been given talents and the Lord expects us to use those talents for the glory of his holy name. And also for us, so that when we, like the story we read before there, during the final judgment, you know, the, you'll be able to see what you did and you'll be welcomed just like he said, you separate the sheep and the goat. Okay, there are also some things that we should not do. He says, uh, yeah, I'm conscious of time. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on, on earth, where moth and trust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor, nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where this verse talks about, do not store up your treasures in, on earth, where moths and worms destroy. This verse encourages us to invest in things of lasting value. That is, things like love, kindness, and service to others. It also encourages believers to focus on heavenly treasures rather than worldly possessions. We are encouraged to, to, to store up treasures in heaven, but, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven 
where moods and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break. Jesus instructs us to prioritize eternal treasures over earthly possessions. Our actions on this journey matter, not just for this life, but for the life to come. Every act of love, kindness, and obedience is a treasure stored in heaven, awaiting us in our eternal home. The verse John 6, 29, Jesus answered, and, uh, answered them and said, most, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the love of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for that which, is, which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. They said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Do not labor for food which perishes. May we direct our attention from the temporary to the eternal. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And once we believe and trust in him, it will be easier for us to follow his teaching. So, uh, in conclusion, as we journey through this life, let us keep the vision of our eternal home burning brightly in our hearts as pilgrims on this earthly journey. And as we travel through the chapters of our lives, let us keep our gaze fixed on heaven, our eternal home. Our journey may be filled with joys and sorrows, victories and defeats but it's a journey leading us to beyond compare, to a lot beyond compare, a place of eternal joy, reunion, and divine promise. Let us manage our lives with the understanding that we are headed towards our eternal home in heaven. May our lives be a testimony to the world that our true citizenship is in heaven. May we set our hearts on pilgrimage, seek God's guidance, live with the purpose, invest in heavenly treasures. Fellowship with believers and avoid worldly destructions and complacency. May our pilgrimage be a testimony of our love for the Lord. And may we reach our eternal home with joy and fulfillment. Hebrews 11, 13, 15, 13 and 16 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come, come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be, to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. As believers, we are reminded that this earthly life is temporary. The patriots and heroes of faith in Hebrews understood this truth. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Likewise, we are just passing through this world. Our true citizenship lies in heaven. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
Seeing since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That is in Second Corinthians 4.18. I hope this message will help awaken the thoughts of heaven as our eternal home, a beautiful place for the happy and free. So God bless you, and uh, may we fix our eyes on eternal home. Uh, we are all travelers. It's, only, it's just like when you're going in a train. You don't know when your stage you reach. Sometimes you know where you're going when you're traveling this world, but our journey, our train of life, you don't know when you're going to alight. So just remind yourself uh, that you do not know when you are alive. So let us keep ourselves ready and doing business until Jesus comes. It's not folding your heart because you are going to heaven. It's doing business until Jesus comes. And uh, show love, compassion, kindness to one another. And let us not allow the world to grow in us. And when it does grow, ask the Lord to remove it because it's not part of us. It doesn't belong to us. The world system, all the things they do in the world doesn't belong to those ones who are traveling to heaven. So let us, um, we're going to sing another song. I love songs. So as we will sing that song, How Beautiful Heaven Shall Be. I just read it today. I wanted to remind us of heaven. So we're going to sing that song. And then finally, I'm going to pray and ask Pastor Paul to come and finish.
Father, thank you, Lord, for the assurance of eternal home in heaven. Help us to live with a heavenly perspective, guided by your promises and fueled by your love. May our journey on this earth be a testimony of our faith in you. Thank you for the revelation that we are pilgrims on this earth, journeying towards our eternal home. Heavenly Father, grant us the wisdom and strength to manage our lives with purpose, seeking your kingdom above all. May our pilgrimage on earth bring glory to your name. Heavenly Father, guide us on, our, on this journey of life and help us to set our hearts on those things that are eternal and help us to love you with all our heart, mind, and soul and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment that you have given us, that we may share your word, O oh God. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us, O oh God, that this world is not our home, O oh God. Help us, Lord, Father, to, to be able to detach ourselves from those things that make our journey difficult. Father, help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to remember all the teachings that you have given us. You have given us a roadmap on how to live on this earth, O oh God. But because of the world system that is so engraved in us, sometimes, Lord, we are shaken, we are broken. Help us to trust in you and to know that you are there cheering us, you are there helping us, you are there comforting us. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you have left behind us to be our teacher, our guide, and our comforter. May we, all of us, be able to access the Holy Spirit. May we trust that, Lord, what you said is true and believe what you said, O oh Father, because you have called us your children and we are travelers, O oh God. Sometimes we get so attached to the world. Sometimes we do things that make us uh, feel like we are here forever. Father, in such moments, Lord, always remind us that we are travelers, that you are sojourners. Even when we get depressed by the things of this world, remind us they are just temporary, they are passing by. Nothing is permanent, oh God. And therefore help us, Lord, to attach ourselves to only those things that are eternal. That is love, kindness, and peace in you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.